0: I didn't know white kids were allowed to make vines.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's a fair assessment. (laughs) They usually don't make very good ones, so... (laughs) Everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that today, today's episode has a lot of mentions of sexual violence and, in general, skeevy stuff that made me put the book down. So, if that's something you're sensitive to, uh, keep that in mind. Thanks.
0: With that said, welcome to the Dan Brown Code. Hi, I'm Lena. And I'm Forrest. And we're going to discuss chapters 101 through 120 of Angels and Demons today.
1: What a doozy these chapters were.
0: Holy God. They
1: move so fast. <laughs>
0: uh, they do, but also very slowly at <laughs> times.
1: <laughs> also sometimes excruciatingly slowly. Yeah.
0: Chapters 101 to 120, in which Robert Langdon continues his lawless rampage through Rome and bungles not one, but two rescue attempts, but he still feels like he succeeds and that's what's important. Then he and Vittoria do some Scooby-Doo secret passage work, only to bungle yet another rescue attempt. The Illuminati plot might be finally revealed, and the Camerlengo speaks to the divine. I think like four people die. Friends, if you thought last episode of sexual violence was unpleasant, you are not going to like this one. Yeah, just not to in reiterate the, that point.
1: Not in the slightest.
0: We're in our chapter one hundred one, which is a Gunther Glick joint.
1: It is. Um, I didn't like this. <laughs> He does a lot of fake news generation. They're kind
0: of undermining my Gunther Glick. Uh, he's going too far out on a limb, just doing some bad stuff. But Dan Brown's also doing some bad stuff. For instance this sentence. (laughs) Of course, all of that had all been at the Camerlengo's behest. All of that had Had all been been.
1: Uh, somehow that one escaped me, but yeah, that's a lot like Ooh, back one. at the archives again or whatever. That one Once really, again, back at the archives.
0: That one really stuck out in my mind.
1: <laughs> uh, so soon after that, there's, she's just jealous, Glick New. and I just thought using new instead of thought, you know, that's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Uh, but Glick is a bold man, yes. so he's developed this new theory he's putting forth on the air that this all ties in even more deeply to the Illuminati through somehow George H.W. Bush, George Bush Sr., mm-hmm. or as he's called here, former President George Bush, Daddy just Bush. in case we were going to forget who it was or something. Because this is, this is pre-W administration. That's
1: right. Uh, really quick, I just want to harp on that new bit, just one more, because <laughs> the way it's written makes it sound like Mac- uh, Chinita McCree's jealousy is... A fact in this universe, and there's no world in which you would be jealous of an Ed Sheeran looking, like, tabloid well, rag reporter. He's going to get the Pulitzer
0: work. for tonight's work.
1: Is he? Does I he? I mean, he,
0: he certainly thinks he's going to. She
1: would too. They have Pulitzer for camera women.
0: I mean, I think we get into that later. Okay. Yeah, Glick is um, projecting a lot of emotions onto McCree, Macri mm-hmm. that may or may not be there. Yeah. And also, Dan Brown remains very impressed with his own cleverness. So if you'll recall, last time we left off and Ferrero Rocher had received a mysterious call from somebody and was now acting on that to do something that was mysterious to us. And Gunther Glick has gotten wind of this mysterious person calling and he's forged the name the 11th Hour Samaritan for him, which Dan Brown uh, says is the perfect name for the faceless man appearing at the last moment to do a good deed. And then he further compliments both himself and glick by saying i'm brilliant he mused peter jennings has just jumped off a bridge you know who peter (laughs) jennings is
1: no i thought you'd look it up
0: uh no i assume he's like a bbc news person or yeah
1: i just hope like one day i can have the undue confidence that dan brown does
0: it's incredible he's seen cern's logo which is pretty ugly i'll be honest with you it is and he's read into it some symbology
1: yeah a lot of symbols there's a 666 there's two intersecting circles there's five points of particles there's
0: if you like rotate it just enough but not more than once because then you're going to get way more than three sixes you can sort of (laughs) fool yourself into believing there's three sixes in this thing but also five and there's two circles which is the Illuminati number of duality which spoiler alert two is everyone's number of duality (laughs) And then five is the number of the Illuminati pentagram. Again, five is the number of everybody's pentagram.
1: It's just not a great chapter. It just made me hate Glick so much. Yeah, Um, on the the
0: plus side, we do get a brief glimpse into Macri's actual mind here where it says she looked ready to slug him.
1: Yeah, great. I love her. She's the best.
0: Yeah, she really starts coming into her own even more so this time. I feel like she and Gunther Glick are starting to diverge more where before they seemed to be more on the same page she was mm-hmm. still skeptical but like was ultimately a believer in his journalistic instincts if like a kind of skeptic to him yeah but now she's starting to to be
1: her own her own deal mm-hmm.
0: and then we're on a chapter 102 and we're back with robert langdon
1: and he's at piazza navona which is the place that he forgot about and then remembered the place that everyone goes to when they go yeah. i'm still so mad about it <laughs> i mean
0: i'm still so mad about the fact that like we really gloss over the fact that he just carjacked a guy at gunpoint to steal his car and get here
1: oh that was just exciting because finally we were in <laughs> an action movie and not like toppling bookcases and archives
0: but we are right back out of the action movie because we've got like a full page and a half description of this fountain
1: yeah um i don't have any comments on it i think I think it's not very interesting.
0: All I have is that Bernini's masterful fountain sizzled before him with a fearful sorcery. The foaming pool <laughs> sent a magical mist upward, lit from beneath by underwater floodlights. Langdon sensed a cool electricity in the air.
1: Fearful sorcery. That's it's a lot.
0: rough. There's so many <laughs> weird adjectives in this section. All you really need to know is that there's a fountain... There's a central part that has all these kind of gods carved into it, and that's about 20 feet high. And on top of all that is an obelisk, which is about 40 feet high. And on top of that, Langdon thinks he sees a lone pigeon perched silently.
1: That's what it looks like. I looked it up. It's, it uh, doesn't look like that. It's cool. It's just very tall and, and, nice. and cool.
0: So that's fun. Um, what's less fun is there's a mysterious van circling this fountain at 1046 p.m. Langdon wouldn't have noticed it, but the headlights were off because the... Spoiler alert, the Hassass scene is pretty bad at actually being subtle.
1: (laughs) That's not his brand. He's not a subtle guy.
0: But, like, he's driving this unmarked van, presumably in an attempt to blend in. Like, he's not just dragging the Cardinal through the streets willy-nilly. He's got him tucked away in this van. He's going to try to blend in with traffic. But he has his headlights off because he still can't quite get over that Hassassin desire for secrecy.
1: If he were dragging the Cardinal around willy-nilly, what would that entail? How would that be different? Well,
0: I mean, I think for the second one, he kind of brought him in like on a wheelchair or something in the St. Peter's Square. Oh, yeah? And so that one he is dragging him around willy-nilly because you can't just drive a van into the middle of (laughs) St. Peter's Square during a conclave. You've got to kind of like take this guy through and presumably heavily drugged because he's in a lot of pain his lungs are punctured and shit
1: yeah uh i found there was a really good sentence or description here
0: i don't believe you where is it <laughs> uh
1: it's he says he didn't want the added encumbrance of a tweed jacket mm. and the encumbrance of a tweed jacket sounds like maybe an oasis song or anything else maybe more a panic at the disco song than an oasis song
0: vampire diaries <laughs> <laughs> sure no, that's not what that fucking band is called vampire weekend <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: i really like that i like the encumbrance of the tweed jacket because reading this book i feel encumbered by his tweed jacket yeah. so i really felt it. it's
0: also a bit of foreshadowing because he says that he doesn't want to bring galileo's diagramma which lest we forget is still in his jacket pocket and you were near the water
1: why did he bring it with him couldn't he have left it at the archive
0: Oh, my God, he did go back to the archives. Yes, he could have and should have. There was no reason for him to keep it with him. Okay. Presumably he had set those four lines to memory. I think I have. Uh, cross Rome, the ancient elements unfold. Uh, nope.
1: The important thing here is that Dan Brown does know them because he just talks about them. <laughs> That's twice. <laughs> I'm sure it's more than twice.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I did it in like the first or second episode, but... <laughs> Right. So, long story short, the Hassassin pulls up to this fountain, opens the side door of the van, and shoves in Cardinal Bajia on kind of a dolly that he's chained to.
1: You know, like...
0: Just like normal
1: stuff. <laughs> Langdon gets in the fountain, because that's the best way to the get to, way to the... best way to sneak
0: up on someone pushing somebody to the fountain is to <laughs> walk across the fountain to them. This well-lit fountain we've established has lights bl- bl- blaring up from under the water. No, but
1: he does say... <laughs> blaring. He does say that the, the view is blocked by the thing. So he's tr- using the yeah, element of surprise. But at
0: best he can get halfway across before being noticed. That's, That's the right. nature of the thing in the middle of the fountain. <laughs> I guess maybe um, a little more because some of the gods kind of jut out, so he might be able to like get behind one of them, but even so. But even
1: so. Um, he, so he's in the water, and it says the water was waist deep and like ice. And I know that means as cold as ice. <laughs> <but> <laughs> you
0: just thought it was solid?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that was it. I was just mad because it didn't. It was a bad simile. The the end.
0: Can we do a dramatic reading of the part where Robert Langdon confronts the assassin? Only just, if you play the assassin. Oh, do I have to do an offensive accent? <laughs> no. Good. In that case, let's do it. Don't move. And so it goes.
1: Get out of the van. You look wet. You are early.
0: I'm eager to return my prize.
1: I won't hesitate to shoot.
0: You've already hesitated. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They could be having two completely different conversations.
0: It has very little relation to one another. Like It's theoretically snappy, like exciting, tense action movie dialogue, except that it isn't in any way, shape, or form. They're
1: all observations. The only, like, you are in- wet. You are early. I am yeah. eager to get back to my prize. I will not hesitate.
0: The only important thing, really, is that, that thing about I won't hesitate to shoot, and then the assassin notes that Oh, he's already hesitated. You've already made your mistake by like confronting me face to face like an idiot. I'm a professional murderer. You are a Harvard (laughs) professor.
1: Why? Why doesn't they just kneecap this fool? Don't they talk about kneecapping all the time?
0: All the time
1: would be so just kneecap him and then have the conversation. Like
0: they keep on talking too. It's for quite some time. This goes on for a full page and a, like almost a page and a half. I
1: don't know why he doesn't kneecap him. I really like I Won't Hesitate to Shoot because it reminds me of that vine. Have you seen that vine of the kid who's pretending to be in a soap opera? And he's like, Rebecca, it's not what you think. <laughs> She's like, I won't hesitate, <laughs> bitch. Have you seen this?
0: Uh, and then the Hassassine notes, uh, blah, blah, blah. He couldn't help but feel he an amused pity for Langdon. He was brave. But he was also untrained. Valor without expertise was suicide. There were rules of survival, ancient rules, and the American was breaking all of them. And the key line, you had the advantage, the element of surprise. You squandered it. That's really the key word for this section, is Robert Langdon fucking up his element of surprise and failing to rescue people.
1: Probably through wading through a fountain.
0: <laughs> wading through a fountain at them. We'll number them off as they happen, but remember this is the first one. Then finally, after like an hour and a half, they start fighting. I think, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, the That's killer. Right. So the
1: a very bad and sloppy fight. It's happens. hard for me to
0: picture it in every way.
1: So, okay, what's going on? Yeah, he says never interrogate before you disable your prey. So he didn't. Yeah, he didn't e-cap him, Lang- which is what he should have done. Langdon was
0: doing the action movie villain thing of giving your long speech. To the hero, except now the hero is giving the long speech to the villain before right. just shooting him.
1: So he shoots the assassin's left toe, and this enrages the assassin. Uh, at the same time, the assassin—oh, the assassin does like a double dragon kick at Langdon. He like
0: that part's good. He like grabs onto the crash bar in the van or yeah. something and like gymnasts his way out and just like.
1: And does a double dragon kick and gets shot in the toe. Meanwhile, but the momentum is already going. So Langdon gets kicked in the chest into the fountain where he was and drops his gun. Why are you in the fountain?
0: (laughs) Well, because as he says, you are in your element. Water is your element (laughs) because Robert Langdon's a strong swimmer. Right.
1: Uh, Okay. His first cognition is pain. So we're back to using cognition. He has a lot of cognitions in
0: this section.
1: (laughs) Um, So he's reaching for the gun and he doesn't grab it because he grabs some coins and then. He tries to, like...
0: Then he tries to grab it again and grabs the chain on the cardinal's dolly and, like, pulls himself up to the cardinal and yeah. notices his brand. So that's where we finally see the water brand.
1: And I like this one a lot. I'm a big fan of the water brand.
0: I think it's my second favorite.
1: Yeah. Air is my favorite one. Same. Yeah. So he sees the cardinal. It upsets him. He's jolted by the life in the man's eyes. He's reaching for the gun. He's reaching for the gun. He grabs, a like, a can light, I think. And then let's see he's now that he's fighting with the assassin in the water which is not good to... no
0: but he's a water polo player so he's used to fighting under the water where right you know one time he got bit which is just like being in a life-or-death fight <laughs> with this um trained again, assassin like yeah let us reiterate <laughs> professional murderer
1: <laughs> um, kind of a side note i wish the assassin had a name me too yeah i think about it all the time anyway i think about this <laughs> it's, it's tom, my space, tom. <laughs> Um. So he gets grabbed. He spins like a torpedo. It doesn't work because the Hassassin <laughs> is super strong. <laughs> That's the only thing that spins underwater for us. <sighs> um. So he can't rise. So he's dolphin kicking his legs and kind of doing a butterfly stroke and yeah. lurching away. Um. And the Hassassin like gets him again. Like he gets up and they fight a little bit and then he gets kicked. Uh. Or like kind of floor swiped so he loses his his, uh footing he goes under and then he's under there he sees the
0: gun again yeah is it the gun this time it's
1: not it's a tube of air (laughs) yeah very very uh unfortunate for his initial plan but we'll see it comes into play later cardinal badger is dying and this made me sad
0: but with like his second to last thought he is just thinking about so he saw Robert Langdon for what, 0. 0.5 seconds as he swam over and like gawked at his brand. And he's like, oh, that man with the kind eyes. I hope I said, he's okay.
1: I said, kind eyes <laughs> mention. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do
0: kind of like his actual dying thought, though. Me too. As the pain mounted, Bajo lay on his back and stared up through the water and the black sky above him. For a moment, he thought he saw stars. It was time. He releases all fear and doubt, opens his mouth, and expelled what he knew would be his final breath. He watched his spirit gurgle heavenward in a burst of transparent bubbles. Um, Then, reflexively, he gasped. The water poured in like icy daggers to his sides. The pain lasted only a few seconds. Then, peace. I liked it. It's nice. He's a religious man. He's at peace with the way he's come to an end. Mm -hmm. He's lived his life well. He has some religious
1: thoughts about how Jesus suffered more than this. Um, I don't like transparent bubbles.
0: It's not great. But
1: but I'm willing to look past it. So, the Hassassin is drowning Langdon.
0: He's he's holding him under under,
1: And so he feels like the death spasms Mm -hmm. and then nothing. And then like bubbles and then nothing. Uh, and then he says some Arabic swear words, which are tabben, which I had never heard before in my life. So I looked it up and it means damn. So
0: does it like actually mean damn? It though? does. Okay.
1: I've never heard anyone use it, but whatever. And then I'm also North African. So like most people don't use Arabic words when they swear. Is that um, Ibn
0: al-Kalb, son of something?
1: Yeah. Ibn al-Kalb means a son of a dog. Okay. And that's a pretty common one. Cool. So <laughs> <laughs> good work. I know that one. Um, my guess is he not Googled, I AltaVista. Um, <laughs> he
0: asked Jeeves.
1: Yeah, asked Jeeves about Arabic uh, curses, and he got those too. So well done. Um, and then he turns his thoughts from pain to pleasure, <sighs> and I will no longer speak about what happens. Here. It's
0: so bad. The Hassass scene, even cold and wet, felt himself stiffen. No. <laughs> And then we smash cut to what's making him think that, which is Vittoria awaking in pain. Um,
1: Alone, I might ask I might add, she is by herself and yeah. unsupervised, and this will come up later.
0: Is on her back, all of her muscles felt like stone.
1: She's in like a castle.
0: Yes, she's in some kind of stone room. She doesn't seem to notice. Later we learn there's all kinds of like pentagram and illuminati symbols all over it, but she doesn't notice it. Yeah. She says it's large and crude, which doesn't sound like it's actually crude to me.
1: And she sees um, a balcony and the Vatican from the balcony. Well, she could
0: have sworn she saw the Vatican. (laughs) That part confuses me.
1: She could have sworn.
0: Like, you either see it or you don't.
1: (laughs) It's through slits in the balustrade, though.
0: And, uh, guys... Robert Langdon's not actually dead. We fooled you, didn't we? <laughs>
1: we're, in, uh, we're in 104. I don't have any notes for this except for real men don't cry, so go
0: ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's all I have, too. He he lived by, he put that air hose into his mouth and was breathing through that and then just faked drowning. Yeah. And he gets Convincingly. up. Convincingly. And uh, he's sad that he couldn't rescue the cardinal. He has some CPR on him, and for the first time in years, he cried. Yeah. I cried reading it because it's so emotionally powerful.
1: It, it was, it was, I was sad that Badger died.
0: Reader, I did not cry reading this part of the book.
1: <laughs> I didn't cry in this book at all. I don't all. think I cried
0: at all in this book. If I did, it was just through... It might have been in the last chapter just out of, <laughs> out of misery pain. and pain.
1: I teared up during the uh, Leonardo and Vittoria meeting. Like
0: Oh, yeah, that was okay. I teared
1: up a little bit. It was cute.
0: Uh, next chapter is some symbology stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of inaccurate symbology. Robert Langdon, as it turns out, is a bad symbologist.
1: <laughs> okay, so... Uh, why don't you start, because I don't know how, fa- how far in your first note is.
0: Okay, so my first thing... So, Robert Langdon is frustrated because this fountain can't have any angels on it because it's pagan in nature. Mm. Um, which, once again, as with fucking everything else that Bernini did, this was, like, sanctioned by a pope... And there's kind of a fun story. The Pope, like, there was a contest to build this, to see who would design this fountain. And Bernini submitted his model for it. And he, like, had it surreptitiously placed in the Pope's office because the Pope, for some reason, didn't want to hire him. Mm. And then the Pope saw it and was like, fuck, this is really good. We got to build this.
1: <laughs> it's probably a Bernini. And the Pope, and the
0: pope was like, um, he said something along the lines of, the trouble with not wanting to hire Bernini is you've got to take great care not to see his models. <laughs>
1: I really like that story. It's, I aspire to I be thought, like Bernini in that way.
0: Anyway, so the first thing Langdon's looking for, he can't find an angel on the main statue of the fountain. He starts looking at the obelisk and wondering if there's a clue hidden in the hieroglyphs, which he describes as Egyptian symbology, which is, like, a, it It probably is how Bernini thought of the hieroglyphs because they, like, in the Renaissance, there are some truly bizarre uh quote-unquote translations of hieroglyphs where they go with the pictures and it's like, ah, yes, the eagle of the sun swooped down to the river to rescue the crocodile's baby from out (laughs) of the mouth of the asp and then the great god of the sky took down and viewed the whole thing when actually all it said is like, I, Ramses, made this. Right. Because it's just writing.
1: It's phonetic too, right?
0: Uh, It is a mixed logographic script. Oh, okay like Chinese, cool. or, or, or cuneiform, or any of a number of things. But they work really cool, but many of them are phonetic. Awesome. So that's the first thing I have about Routling's bad symbology.
1: Um. So he's, he obviously there's nothing on the obelisk, and nope. then he is about to scream to the heavens, as we do, and sees the pigeon, and he's like, wait a minute. Is it a pigeon? So he throws a fistful of coins at it. And he finds throws a
0: fistful of coins at 60 least sixty feet, feet in into the air. the air. If you look at a stat, if a picture of this fountain, please do. It looks like more than sixty feet. I'm
1: gonna look at it again. What's it called?
0: It's the sta- fountain of the four rivers. It's. I bet when you Google it, it'll recommend the Italian name, which is something in Italian. Fontana
1: de quattro fiumi. I don't have time that. for that. Okay.
0: <laughs> and like this thing is really high off the ground.
1: Holy moly!
0: And also the pigeon on it. Like look it, at these people it doesn't, it doesn't look like an alive pigeon yeah it's it's tall as hell <laughs> it's so tall it's so, like how that, did he do that? Uh, and he hits this pigeon at the top which when you look at it A. it's quite big it's bigger than a real pigeon B. it's sitting there in a pose very unlike that a pigeon would naturally be in Right. C. it has this olive branch in its mouth so like I feel like Maybe when you're looking at it before the fight, anticipating you might not notice, but if you're looking at it up at it afterwards, you do not have to throw rocks at it to realize this is not a real pigeon.
1: Also, Dan Brown knows this this fountain. Right? Yeah. Like he's familiar with it. Wouldn't he know what it looks like and that there was a something on the top and so when he sees the pigeon? like... as he, he be assured
0: like- us all references to architecture are accurate. <laughs> Uh, works of art, tombs, tunnels, and architecture. Those are the things we're allowed to take as factual, as are their exact locations.
1: Has he been in that passage between the place and the other place? Not yet. Then how does he know that that tunnel is factual? Oh, no, I think
0: he did get to go through it.
1: Dan Brown did? I think so. Damn, okay.
0: Um, Spoiler. We didn't say
1: where it was. We didn't say what tunnel it
0: was. So then Robert Langdon realizes this is not a pigeon at all, but a dove. And do you know something interesting about pigeons and doves?
1: They're the same, except for the white. They're the same bird. Yeah.
0: Um, and then he tells us that the lone dove is the pagan symbol for the angel of peace.
1: Wait, now here's something I wanted to say. I'm yes. going to read to you. <laughs> he says, the damn pigeon was bronze. Okay. You're looking for an angel, not a pigeon, a voice reminded him. But it was too late. Blankton had made the connection. He realized the bird was not a pigeon at all. It was a dove. His own inner monologue was too late to stop his symbol-based crime word association.
0: He's so dumb. <laughs> it was too
1: late. Yeah, the new thought. It doesn't
0: even say an internal voice. It's just a voice, <laughs> like. I'm dead. It's so rough. Oh man. But like this sentence, the lone dove is the pagan symbol for the angel of peace has. A lot of things wrong with it
1: yeah uh pagan pagan symbols for angels sound fake,
0: yeah, angels are a judeo Christian phenomenon. There are spirits in other religions that function like angels, but the like whatever pagan religions were around in Europe didn't have anything that is like analogous directly to an angel, oh, much peace. less an angel of yeah. peace. It would just be like a god or god as a peace, um furthermore. <laughs> Go off for uh, it. The, as far as I can tell, the original symbological connections of doves are related to Ishtar and or Inanna in kind of ancient Mesopotamia, mm-hmm. who was a goddess of love and war and sex, um, which is to say extremely not peace. And then that symbology got kind of carried over. Inanna and Ishtar were kind of syncretized with Venus slash Aphrodite in the Greco-Roman world. And so the dove became her symbol, who was, again, not a goddess of peace. The connection between doves and peace is a distinctly Christian innovation in dove symbology. And it derives from the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove. But even then, the peace connections don't get me with the dove for, like, a couple hundred more years after that. So it's not a pagan symbol of anything other than Inanna and or Aphrodite. It is not a pagan symbol of peace or an angel of peace. It's just a Christian symbol for peace.
1: Robert Langdon, force is coming for your job as a symbologist.
0: Harvard, hire me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's more or less what it is. That's it, right? The angel points him west. Yeah. To... to a place in the middle of the cross, which I would yeah, have guessed is where the final location is, but whatever. Well,
0: it's, it's not even in the middle of the cross. It's, like, in the middle of one of the arms of the cross. Oh, is that so? I, up, I, up, I don't yeah. think it says it in the book, but I, like, looked up a map of someone on the internet has, like, mapped out these four sites.
1: Do you have
0: it? Uh, I can Google it in just a moment. Oh, I am
1: so excited to Angels
0: see it. Angels and demons map. So, A, this cross is pretty fucked up.
1: That's cross, the one? <laughs>
0: And then the Castel Sant'Angelo, which is where we're going now, is like two-thirds of the way in along one of the arms of the cross.
1: If that counts as a cross, then any four points in Rome would make a cross,
0: basically. Yes, correct. <laughs> um, oh, also, I was going to check. Air, earth, fire. Okay. He does say, like that one time we were talking about last time, that the first three made a perfectly symmetrical triangle, which it almost does. you see.
1: Could I see
0: it? The top three. It's like almost a symmetrical triangle.
1: That's as close as we're gonna get, given this janky like, map.
0: It's like vaguely scalene, but I'm not gonna argue with it too hard. <laughs> vaguely scalene. Uh, okay.
1: Okay. He's back in the car that he stole. He's, he's got his tweed car. jacket on. Uh, he is the 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 diagramma is safe because mm-hmm. of Harris <laughs> Harris tweeds. Uh, signature double lining. <laughs> did you catch that? Yeah, I did. Okay. I, ha- I, highlighted
0: it. I didn't look up if they actually have a trademark No, I didn't lining. either.
1: I don't care enough.
0: Um, but, so he's back in his stolen car, and now it's time to cause some vehicular mayhem, which he does by um, slamming on the brakes and swerving. He turned in time, but the bridge was barricaded. He skidded ten feet and collided with a series of short cement pillars blocking the way. The vehicle stalls, um... So, Robert Landon wrecks this car he's in, more or less. Yeah. Probably does some damage to the pillars. And proceeds to terrorize another civilian.
1: <laughs> uh, an Australian, this time. An
0: Australian journalist. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Did you catch? So, we're going to the Castel Sant'Angelo, which is like a. It was originally Fortress. built as the Mausoleum of Hadrian.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And then it was kind of rebuilt and reestablished during Christian times as kind of a papal fortress. hmm And Langdon and Dan Brown tell us that these ramparts had fended off armies of Berbers, heathens, and Moors.
1: Are those three different civilizations?
0: I mean, well, there's two different civilizations and then heathens. Um, but also...
1: Also, the Moors and the Berbers are interconnected.
0: Aren't they, like, different ethnic groups, though?
1: They are, but... They kind of transferred powers of areas over time. So yeah. yeah,
0: and also interesting. Neither one of them, as far as I can tell, ever invaded Rome or besieged the Castel Sant'Angelo.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hannibal Iberia, didn't, yes. Yeah, Han- uh, Italy, Hannibal didn't, no. didn't make it to Rome. Did he? Came up over the Alps. No, well, but Hannibal
0: made it to just outside of Rome, and I think like the Carthaginian authority told him to not. For some reason, he like kind of had a grudge about it. Right, It's a stab in the back. Um and that 's why I have a handle founded fascism, um, <laughs> not everyone knows that, but also the Berber is persisted as an ethnic group for a while into the Muslim they continue era. actually
1: yeah, yeah. they is the racially sensitive term oh i didn 't know Because Berber comes from Roman saying i don 't know what you 're saying it sounds like bar 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 bar
0: oh, I thought that was just Greeks and barbarians i didn 't know it was also Berber it was Berber, amazing, yep, we got two words that persist to this day from that
1: guys
0: (laughs) um and yeah the moors uh again did not invade italy at any point or at least not as far as rome if they did get into italy i think they like got to like corsica Corsica or or something anyways and heathens also um once rome was under papal control didn't really invade it uh, the only people who did ever besiege the Castel Sant'Angelo, as far as I can tell, were fellow Christians. Remember when we talked heathens. about the Landschnechts uh, a while ago? We
1: did talk about it.
0: Uh, they besieged the Castel Sant'Angelo.
1: Would they be described as heathens by Catholics?
0: I don't think they were Protestant at that time.
1: But like a different flavor of Catholic?
0: I I'm Probably not heathens, though. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just saying it's not true. All right. So now, what's happened to the Australian guy?
1: Uh, So, the Australian guy is chilling outside this castle, and he's got one of those, some kind of, like, like, telescoping thing. Yeah. To help uh, Langdon get up to where the balcony is, or at least over the rampart, so he can get into this castle, because he can't get in otherwise.
0: And he's willing to let him climb along his telescoping van pole. um, In exchange for some... Langdon promises him...
1: Some primo info, (laughs) which... I'm going Some to actually. Primo info mate. <laughs> I'm going to to introduce into my <laughs> lexicon.
0: How many times does the Australian guy say mate? Uh one. Okay, I guess it is just the one time.
1: Is it just the one time? Primo info.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not good. And so then Langdon yells down at him.
1: He doesn't say bloke at all. He says, Ain't you that guy I saw on TV? Wouldn't he say bloke there?
0: He doesn't talk about shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> I don't He's, think this guy's Australian at all. He never waltzes <laughs> a <to> Matilda.
1: <laughs> he doesn't, you know, differentiate knives from other knives. He does
0: It's a good country, guys. <laughs> uh, Dan Brown, Robert Langdon <laughs> yells down at him, uh, the Fountain of the Four Rivers, Piazza Navona. That's where you're going to get your big scoop because that's where the guy's corpse is. This guy who Robert Langdon is like crying over his death and now he is heartlessly bartering the information of his, like, naked body lying in this fountain as, like, a cheap bartering chip to get into this castle because well, he's a heartless monster. He needs
1: to save Vittoria. Who Whatever, knows dude. what fate will befall her.
0: Uh, he got to the top of that tower. He did not need to tell that man anything. He was already up there.
1: He was? Yeah. Oh, he my. yells it down
0: from the top. And also, aside from just revealing the information in the first place, we should know that he's shouting it. Yeah. Because a page later, he talks about how he can't yell for Vittoria even though he's just yelled from the top of this thing.
1: Everyone in, in Rome is in... Uh, at St. Peter's Square, so no one else can hear him.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, except maybe the Hasassine, who's in this building. He's
1: bandaging mm-hmm. his toe, though.
0: Oh, he's busy. <laughs> Being gross about Vittoria. Yep,
1: yeah, no, I'm out, I'm out. No, the, 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 here's what I
0: do want to talk about. I don't want to talk about anything aside from she's on a rudimentary divan. <laughs> what is a rudimentary divan?
1: <laughs> like a half-couch?
0: But what makes it rudimentary? rudimentary? <laughs>
1: well, let's look, let's look at a divan and see... A
0: long, low sofa without a back or arms typically placed against a wall, according to um, Google's Dictionary. So,
1: like, an Ottoman? But there's a lot of may, fainting may, couches. May, maybe they're
0: talking about a legislative body, council chamber, or court of justice in the Ottoman <laughs> Empire or elsewhere in the Middle East. Do well, you that, think that's what he means? I know
1: how you would make that <laughs> rudimentary, at least. There are a lot of chaise-longs, lounges here. And there's a lot of uh, just straight up beds. None of these are really divans.
0: Yeah, anyways, Vitor is on a rudimentary divan. Picture that however you please. Like a
1: table. <laughs> Maybe it's like a bench, but he put like some blankets on it. Now it's a divan.
0: I feel like he wouldn't be that considerate.
1: I also feel that way, but I'm really grasping at straws here.
0: Yeah, and now we're on a chapter 107.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of gross stuff. If you want to talk about it, you can. I just can't form the words with my mouth.
0: Uh, I mean, the first half of 107 isn't the gross stuff.
1: Uh, well, the end of 106 has some gross stuff in it. Yeah,
0: no, I, I was going to skip over that aside okay. from rudimentary Devon.
1: Okay. Um, uh, Robert is dashing around the castle. He checks his watch. It's 11:12 p.m., which means we're, like, 45 minutes from the explosion of the antimatter.
0: This is where we get, he wanted to call out, but he knew better. He just called out. Right anyways
1: so the Hasa scene has used this so he goes into where the car is um and he finds that it goes down which is yeah, not
0: yeah he thinks he wants to go up because earlier he thought he saw some movement up towards the top of the building where At he, he saw a light in the window
1: yeah um but so he goes down because he has no options and then more gross stuff happens and I've just written no in all caps all over this so me too <laughs> <laughs> friends <laughs> we're friends
0: um... But I. Okay. We're going to talk about it aside from. I want to know. Do you know what that Gayat Asa'ada is? No.
1: So Asa'ada means happiness or pleasure. Um, I don't know what Gayat means.
0: But it's not like a phrase. Because I Googled it and all I came across was a this song book. by a metal band called Sauron in 2007. Sauron? The metal band's called Sauron. They have a song called that on the album Hornology.
1: So, Gayat.
0: These are the soothing strains of Sauron's Garnet Asa'ada. It.
1: 2007.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I, all I found was that song and then some references to Angels and Demons. Oh,
1: here we go. It says Gayet uh, Asada." they called it, the ultimate pleasure. Wrong translation, no surprise, according <laughs> to this blog. So thank you to all the blogs from the early 2000s who've already done all our work for, work. for us.
0: <laughs> so yeah, and he's just planning on um, sexual violence,
1: Pretty gruesome sexual violence. It's
0: really unpleasant. Yeah. And we're going to skip over it. Yes,
1: please. Thank you. So Landon
0: keeps going down this tunnel. He gets to the bottom of it. Um, he finds the van, but it's a dead end. Oh, no.
1: Um, but then he sees uh, his, the assassin's bloody footprints <gasps> and follows them into a crack in the wall.
0: Man, thank God he shot that guy in the toe.
1: I know, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't know where he had gone next. And, and he finds
0: a secret passageway.
1: Yeah. He mm. goes into this crack in, in the wall, kind of, like, two walls that are kind of offset. He goes in between them. Uh, he, just real quick, he finds the, the robes and the sashes of the cardinals chilling in one of the jail cells, mm-hmm. which is sad. That made me sad. These are all, like, old, pious men. And, and they all died. They all died in horrible ways for no reason. Like, nothing changes. Nope. Like, the, the, it's all in vain. Anyway. Wh- so he finds some stairs, and he goes up the stairs. And the
0: steep ascension of spiral stairs. That normal phrase. <laughs>
1: You know how I describe staircases as ascensions. Here's what I would
0: say: instead of "Beyond the gate was a steep ascension of spiral stairs," beyond the gate was a spiral staircase.
1: <laughs> but it's steep—a steep spiral. It's a
0: steep spiral staircase. <laughs> and steep a- sp- stairs. Steep, steep stairs spiral upwards.
1: <laughs> An ascension. The vertiginous
0: steps g- 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 catapulted into the heights of the castle's balustrades and. <laughs>
1: You're, you're Dan Browning too hard now. Um, what, cha- what chapter are we on? We are
0: in the middle of a long chapter 107. It's long as hell.
1: Oh, oh, in the no part that we didn't talk about, he says that her skin was like cream, but I thought it was tan, and that's it, that's all I had to say. Good call. Uh,
0: there's more no... There's a weird thing where he describes Galileo and his fellow Illuminati as men of science and faith, and I thought the whole point of the Illuminati was that they were not men of faith, just men of science.
1: That happened earlier where Galileo, or whoever, Bernini did things in the cross. Or no, it was Galileo did things in the cross. And why? Why would he? It's stupid. It is very stupid. So now we have, I believe, the final
0: capital N-O, no series of paragraphs. Mm -hmm. And these ones, I'm sorry, I do have to talk about briefly. Go ahead. So the first bit, the Hassassin is taking off his shirt. And he is out of contention for ever being my angel again, but he is described as extremely sexy.
1: Yes. I, yeah. Yes.
0: Um, the beast had returned. Now he was standing over her, his chest bare and powerful, scarred from battles he had endured. His eyes looked like two black slits as he stared down at her body. Um, so that part's pretty good.
1: I, <laughs> he also like removes his soaking belt and drops it on the floor. Um, Did this
0: read to you as Dan Brown having some kind of racialized fetish?
1: Yeah, 100%. That's good. There's a lot of talk about his, like, dark skin, Mm -hmm. like, touching a woman's, like, creamy inner thigh or whatever. And then
0: the hastass scene does a weird thing while preparing to assault Vittoria. He takes out his switchblade... Which, A, he doesn't seem like a switchblade kind of guy to me. I
1: feel like he has a lot of other blades. Better ones.
0: I feel like he has some kind of, like, badass big Mush- sword knife like thing. Like a Scimitar or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, and he, like, first he snaps open in front of her face and kind of, like, runs it along her legs. But then he, like, puts it into her pants and starts trying to cut her pants off from the inside.
1: That's which right.
0: Which, I'm not experienced in <laughs> assault, but... <laughs> It doesn't seem like a good way to go about it.
1: He starts at the the lower edge of her shorts, so at her thigh.
0: No, he yeah, doesn't. Yeah, he
1: does. He does. He
0: slipped the metal blade below the waistline of her shorts.
1: Oh no, I was I was wrong. I know this is worse.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then the part that like is just
1: the sawing upward, kind of.
0: Yeah. Well, because I think he like he has it hidden. he's sawing up like through like, the up fabric. into the yeah. yeah. Anyways, then he tells her as he's cutting that this blade is the one that cut out your father's eye, which is pretty fucked up.
1: We should make shirts that say I'm not experienced in assault. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> um,
0: that's one of those things where it's like, why do you have to say that? <laughs> um, anyways, so then Robert, just like he did last time, he tried to rescue somebody and that person died. Fuck, stop. He squanders his element of surprise.
1: And he says in a deep voice, growled. Growling.
0: Get away from her. <laughs> Get away
1: from her. <laughs>
0: um, and Victoria in this moment still has time to like be happy for Robert. Robert, he's alive. Yeah.
1: Um. There's something. And the house has
0: seems ready with like he instead of quip. being surprised is like oh Mr. Langdon you must have seen or you must have a guardian angel.
1: And earlier he does talk about the guardian angel. He says mm-hmm. like. Because there's an angel with a sword pointing down into the wherever. On top and of the He's like, castle. please guard me and be my angel. And yeah. I was like, you must have a guardian angel. Sing
0: to me, angel of music. Yeah. And then before the Hassassin and Robert fight, we get a description of the room. And now instead of being like a bare stone crude room, it's.
1: With a rudimentary divine. Yeah,
0: it's got embellishments um, replete with symbology of pentagrams and planet frescoes and doves and pyramids. Because it's the Church of Illumination. We're finally here.
1: But it is simple and pure. It says right there. There's no
0: way a planet fresco is not insanely tacky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, like,
0: have you ever been in a room with pentagram anything that wasn't, like, tacky <laughs> like and audacious? The and, yeah.
1: Um, the... Just on the Devon note, I'm pretty sure the first time we see the Devon, it's, it's described as a plush divan, which doesn't sound very rudimentary it does to not. me. It
0: sounds very nice. So he, it hasn't been sitting there for several hundred years. He took it there. He did? Unless you think this plush divan is a surviving antique from 1600. I do because think it's so. because, Okay. <laughs> it's probably full of, like, moths and shit. <laughs> I
1: mean, I have no doubt. Gross. I don't think he's too concerned.
0: <laughs> I don't want to be on that. Uh, and then they have another, like, dumb dialogue back and forth.
1: Do you want to do, do it?
0: So we meet yet again. And this time you come for me with that.
1: He has like a stick, a pointy stick.
0: It's iron stick, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Untie her.
0: I will kill her.
1: I imagine she would welcome it, considering the alternative.
0: You're right. She has much to offer. It would be a waste.
1: Gross. Uh, then he says, let her go. And then finally, um, the
0: Hassassin pulls the exact same trick. Except this time, instead of doing a kick, he like looks like he's giving up, and then his arm seems to accelerate unexpectedly. <laughs> that word "seems" there,
1: y'all. Look. This book is so much
0: because <laughs> he throws a knife at Langdon, which means his arm did accelerate unexpectedly in order to throw his knife. <laughs>
1: These last chapters it. so are so hard to read. They're so. The house turned into a punch out villain, and <laughs> everyone is shirtless and sexy. And there's sexual violence everywhere. well except for Langdon.
0: Langdon's in like a wet turtleneck in his uh, double lined jacket.
1: <laughs> People are bad at sneaking up on each other. Someone got shot in the toe. <laughs> and it only gets more ridiculous. <laughs>
0: yeah, they start they start fighting and circling each other around the room. Um, no. Langdon continues to talk to him no. and like trying to convince him to give him the location of the canister and to let Vittoria go. And I don't know what his proposed like payoff to the assassin is. Well, he
1: says that the Vatican will pay much more than the Illuminati. ever oh, will. Which... Okay,
0: I do know what his proposed payoff to the assassin <laughs> is. It's literally right at <laughs> the same time staring at um, um,
1: So he's tiring Langdon out by having him walk in circles. <laughs> So they're kind of, like, merry-go-rounding around one another, like twin stars, just, like, yeah. <laughs> around the room. And Langdon doesn't know where the balcony is. Well, he Langdon like, loses wants, track. Langdon wants
0: to corner the Hassass scene.
1: In a room with no corners? And then he
0: comes up with the signature George Bush line. <laughs> because Langdon's trying to corner the Hassass scene. This damn room has no corners. It's an oval. Except it's probably an ellipse. <laughs> one imagines. <laughs> um... But the assassins trying to tire him out, like in that uh, Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor fight, the only full fight I've ever watched.
1: You've seen that? I, had, I didn't watch you know, that. I
0: was at a friend's bachelor party, it was that night, and we watched the fight instead of going out to bars.
1: How was it? Worth it?
0: I don't know. I, like, I didn't understand what was going on, but like, it was interesting because like, the first few rounds, uh, it didn't seem like Floyd Mayweather was doing anything. He was tiring Conor He was, t- right. and like, and, like, Conor kind of punching this guy, but, like, he didn't really seem to be getting the better of him in any way. Mm-hmm. And then, like, four rounds in, he was just, like, exhausted, and Floyd was like, p- <laughs> touches him, and he falls over to the ground. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah, but instead of fighting each other to tire one another out, they're just walking in a circle. Well,
0: and then the Hazzazz scene uh, fools Robert Langdon by looking at a table, and then Robert Langdon has to look at the table... Oh, he
1: knows that the Hassassin is fooling him. He's yeah, like, but, but i got to look at the table.
0: Robert Landon is so bad at this,
1: <laughs> which is kind of like that part. It's is, kind of endearing.
0: It's endearing, but like it's also, it seems reasonable because like he is not, again, a professional killer or fighter in the way the Hassassin is. So right. even if you can like intellectually say, ah, this is a fighter's ploy this man is using against me, like you'd probably still fall for it. I would.
1: Right. I wouldn't even think that this is a fighter's ploy. I'd be like, what's over there? Yeah. And then I would look, and then I'd be dead.
0: Um, and what's there is a chest that has the five brands we've seen so far. Illuminati, Earth, Air, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Air, Fire, Water. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, there's also a slot, a square slot in the middle, where there seems to be some kind of sixth brand that existed, but Langdon's never heard of a sixth brand.
1: Yeah, that's bananas. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, some more bad fighting happens. scene. Like doesn't lunge, then they he does lunge and then
0: And they have a back and forth about this sixth brand in the middle yeah, of their fight. And that's it's right. It's so stupid.
1: Um I don't I don't want to read it, so I, I mean I kind of want to just mostly
0: skip to the end of this fight here.
1: Yeah. So um,
0: eventually they wind up kind of fighting on the balcony and the Hassassin's about to push Lincoln over the balcony. Well the
1: Hassassin grabs the bar, the the pointy stick oh, yeah, yeah. that Lincoln has. And then it says, now the hunter had become the hunted. And I was like, Bob, you were never the hunter. Um, you were
0: always <laughs> being hunted, my bum. Um
1: <laughs> And then, they, yeah, they do end up on the balcony. Um, and then something... Oh.
0: Robert Langdon winds up, like, getting pushed off the balcony and hanging onto it by, like, his legs and a hand. Yeah. And then from behind the Hassass scene, he thinks he sees some kind of glowing aura... And the scene's back is badly burned and he spins away because Vittoria Vetras escaped from her bonds and attacked him with a torch in his back. So Langdon's rescue attempt just turned into being rescued by Vittoria because he's that bad at this action hero bullshit.
1: He had the element of surprise. He had a pointed stick.
0: He had everything going <laughs> for him. So when the Hassassin's about to push Robert off of the balcony, uh-huh. he says an Arabic thing. Is it accurate? He says... Ma
1: Ma'asalama Ma means g- goodbye. So yeah, that's a real word. You learn it in like the first, the first uh, class of Arabic. Okay. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. So Vittoria winds up um, pushing him off the balcony, right?
1: Um, she hits him with a torch. Yeah.
0: Or something. Oh, yeah, she hits him with a torch, like a baseball oh. bat. No, and he no, stumbles. she.
1: It's with a. Was it a torch? Yeah. And yeah. then so she hits him with a torch. and Then she she jabs the. the
0: she gets his oh, eye. Oh, God,
1: yeah. He, so they they burn <laughs> his back, and then Landon punches the blistered burn on the Hassassin's back, and then, and then he's in anguish, and then...
0: She burns his eye out and says an no, eye for an eye because no. he's the one that stole her dad's eye. Oh my God. And then she hits his face like a baseball bat with this torch, and he stumbles back against the railing, and then they both push him off the balcony... And he crashes into this pile of cannonballs below in the courtyard. And Langdon doesn't even ask how she escaped. He just like looks at her confused, and then he says, "She says Houdini knew yoga."
1: And he didn't know yoga. Uh-uh. He wasn't a contortionist. <laughs> he was an illusionist. He used fakie chains to escape. This is so upsetting. Well, fuck you. Fuck this book. I'm so I mad. Mean, <laughs> it
0: also, isn't like, so, Vittoria was unconscious when she was tied up, right? Sure. To the best of my knowledge, the way that escape artists are able to escape from, like, being yeah. tied up is you, like...
1: Tense up take, your everything. You tense up
0: everything, take a big breath, so that way...
1: Everything's When loose you're all
0: tied up and you, like, loosen up, all these things are slack. But when you are passed out and asleep, you can't do that. Right. I don't think there's any amount of flexibility that's going to let you necessarily... And she's
1: little, Yeah
0: break through these things.
1: Plus, why didn't she escape earlier when she was alone without the Hassassin? She wakes up when he's about to fight Robert. There is time.
0: Well, she was too discouraged to do yoga then. She needed to feel the warmth and light emanating from Robert Langdon. I <laughs>
1: want I want to die. <laughs> this is not the first, this is not the only time in this section that I read where I thought that. Yeah. It happens a few times.
0: So 109. So now, now that the imminent danger to Robert and Vittoria's let up, we can cut back to St. Peter's square in the Swiss guards.
1: I don't have any notes. It just says this is fine. So
0: yeah, no, it's just people saying, Oh, we're going to have a guest arriving and uh, Cardinal Mortati is kind of wondering what to do. And that's about it. It's no, they no.
1: haven't uh, evacuated yet, no, which they were evacuated. supposed to have done, but Rocher had said, no, uh,
0: the camera poking at his, the fire and the coals in his fireplace. And yeah. he's asking for a miracle. And then Robert and Vittoria are it's back up.
1: It's 11.23. Sorry. I sure want to make sure that we always yep. know what time it is.
0: Good. 11.23, they're back up on top of the thing. They're embracing each other. Or no, they wanted to embrace, but couldn't. Her body felt anestheti- anesthet- anesthetized. anesthetized. Yeah, anesthetized. Um, blah, 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 blah. Oh, now she gets the infusion of warmth from Robert, even yeah. though he looks like hell like he'd obviously been through purgatory, that common phrase.
1: <laughs> I can't imagine that someone who's just been tied up under the threat of sexual violence is like willing to come into contact with a man, but it's You wouldn't fine. think so. You wouldn't think so, but uh there's a claim that the Vatican is the world's smallest country and I looked it up and it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: Anyways, they see a helicopter flying into St. Peter's Square into the very narrow open space they've managed to create, which both Robert and Vittoria are pretty stressed about because a giant bomb is about to go off and eliminate the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And from their castle they're in, which is pretty far away from St. Peter's Square. But you can
1: see the Vatican from there.
0: Yes, but can they identify the figure getting out of this helicopter?
1: (laughs) Well, they said that no one on Earth moves like that.
0: Except for other people in wheelchairs. No,
1: even, even though he was not they say about it. Okay, they say words about it. Hold on.
0: She would never have recognized the figure except for the bright red beret on his head. And I'm skeptical you can see a beret on the man's head from that far away.
1: The center of the gangplank was another figure, a figure who moved so uniquely it could only be one man. Although the figure was seated, he accelerated across the open square with effortless control and startling speed. A king on an electric yeah, throne. Yeah, that's
0: just describing somebody on an electric wheelchair. They're no, not, no. Not, I don't think he's saying Effortless that Effortless control! <laughs> I, th- I think you're going to find, throughout the next couple chapters here that we're going to get to shortly, that Dan Brown, I think, might have genuine contempt for handicapped people. Yeah, I think
1: he actually hates handicapped people.
0: And so, I think this thing where he's saying that this man moves so uniquely he could only be one person, I think is just him describing wheelchairs in general. Uh. That's my theory.
1: Oh, uh, this next section. Anyways, is awful. they see Kohler
0: rolling onto the Vatican. Before we get to this section, um, let's take. Oh, we free. Let's oh. take. Let's take our break with uh, the Juvenalia of Dan Brown. Six entries from 187 men to avoid. Are
1: we doing the personal attack on Forest count?
0: Uh, yes. So I think we're at what three so far? I think we're at three. Yeah. So far, just two.
1: Just two. Okay.
0: Okay. Number thirteen, men with dogs named Scooter.
1: I've never met anyone with a dog named Scooter. I have
0: a co-worker with a dog named Scooter that she brings to work sometimes. She's a woman, so She's she doesn't count. She's a woman, count. so it's fine. Number 14, men who use the home shopping network. HSN? Yeah, which like, now we use Amazon and everyone uses it. Right, so you, can't get,
1: you can't date if you don't date people who use that's Amazon. An ob- that's
0: an obsolete man to avoid. <laughs> um, number 15, men who have been published in the Penthouse Forum. I'm okay with that. So
1: that's that's in the magazine, right? It's not like an online forum. Yeah,
0: but I think it's I think it's like the dear penthouse. Yeah. I never thought this would happen to me. I was swimming in the pool and suddenly fifteen nude women fell from the sky right. into my arms.
1: <laughs> uh that's fine by me. I don't I don't care.
0: Number sixteen ties in to what we've just read. You should avoid men who show their scars. Like the Hassassine.
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Like like at the bar they're like, Hey baby wanna see my scar? Like that, or someone who's like willing to be vulnerable.
0: Well, okay, do you think it's vulnerable or just like who have physical scars on their body that are visible to other people? No,
1: but who show their scars like that's a verb. It's not like who have scars visible. Okay.
0: In that case it's not a personal attack on me.
1: <laughs> do you have scars?
0: I, I have like one scar that I always lose right here on my thumb that I got I was uh briefly a busser at Applebee's. And I really hated it And so I was really angry one time My boss had been yelling at me Because I was also When you're a buster at Applebee's You're also a greeter And I was not good at that part And So you ask them
1: What brings them to Applebee's And it's never a good answer And I was
0: like So I was like really unhappy And I was wringing out a towel that I was wrapping out a table And I was like Bringing out my rage in this towel And as I was doing it My thumbnail dug into the other thumb You scarred yourself I cut myself deep enough To give me a scar That persists to this day
1: I have a stupid scar story Really quick What's yours? I have a scar. You can barely see it now, but it's from my sophomore year of high yeah. school. Um,
0: it's on, like, an index finger knuckle of the right hand.
1: Thank you. And it's because I was going to do my hair to go to Sadie, the Sadie Hawkins dance, and I was putting one of those attachments on my hair dryer. Do mm-hmm. you know how that goes? Yeah. And it's, I, with such force, and it slid, and it just, like, took off a whole bunch <laughs> of skin from my knuckle. Oh, Anyways, my
0: God. Uh, number 17, men. <laughs> this one's kind of funny. <laughs> Um, men who think, quote, safe sex means locking the bedroom door.
1: That's funny. But it probably means he's 13, so you should avoid.
0: That's the first one in this book that I thought's genuinely funny. <laughs> um, okay. And finally, number 18. I've never seen this. Men who break for bingo.
1: What does that Like mean? you know how
0: sometimes on like a license plate it'll be like oh we break for so and so we break for oh dogs. break spelled that way yeah okay it's
1: b r a k e
0: yeah but men who break for bingo
1: is that it chapter one hundred
0: and eleven
1: all right yeah this was really hard to read um he they he uses the c word a lot in yes. a way that I'm not comfortable with reading out loud. Yeah, you you want to talk about it? Or should I talk about it? I mean, I
0: just reading it and like it's, it's so talking, ableist. Like, it's, it's so awful. It's just frequently talking about how Kohler basically wishes he were dead because he's been in this wheelchair for most of his life.
1: And he looks at, he like looks at his body and like resents it, and it's like gnarled and he hates it. Yeah, and... like there,
0: there there are literally multiple times in the chapter where it's like this might be the last night of his life, and that'd be fine with him. He almost wished it were because of the way he was. Yeah. Um, But we do get his backstory and the reason that he hates religion so much is that the way he found himself in his wheelchair is he had these extremely religious German parents and he was very ill as a child and his parents wouldn't let the doctors administer a medicine that would save his life and keep him from becoming paralyzed Um, until finally at the very end when his parents were asleep, there was one doctor who was like, I just can't handle this anymore, dude. And he gave him a shot without his parents knowing. And it was too late. So he lived, but he was paralyzed. And then the chapter closes out, or at least the story closes out with, um, you know, his parents are grateful he's alive, but they go to the priest and are sad. Like, why is it that, um, he's alive, but he's paralyzed. And, uh, uh, the priest nodded sadly. Yes, it seems God has punished him for not having enough faith. And that turns him against religion. And I can see that turning you against religion.
1: Oh, yeah. But, but the I, way I'm, we get there is like... Yeah,
0: like, I mean, I could probably even see it giving you some psychosis where, like, you extra resent...
1: Your disability yeah. because it... it Represents some kind of like symbol of yeah, of like your parents, your something. parents
0: like neglect and lack of care for you, yeah. and also like the idea that you failed God and all this stuff. But it's like really rough.
1: It's it's really like violently ableist in a way that like I haven't read anything that hates people in wheelchairs as much you all know, ever.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's very bad.
1: Yeah, it's very bad. I my only comment was like, what the fuck, Dan? Like, why are you why and are So you like
0: long this? story short, Kohler is set up to like be going into this meeting with the camera Lengo as though it's like, it's going to be his last act. He has two devices hidden on his wheelchair that no one will search because they both like pity and despise the handicapped. Um, like Dan, like Dan does. But Ferrero Rocher, for some reason is like suspiciously on his side to a point where like, he doesn't want him searched. He just wants to let him into this meeting with the camera Lengo, that he's not supposed to have. And so it all seems like it's not quite on the up and up. And Robert, I think, has already told us that through his talks with the scene, he's decided that Maximilian Kohler is actually Janus, Janus. Yeah. The, um, and he's
1: coming to kill the camerlengo mm-hmm. who was described by Robert Langdon in that chapter as being a beacon of hope, which is not how I would describe a pro-life priest, but whatever.
0: Yeah. So now um, Langdon and Vetra are running through Il Paseto trying to get to the Vatican to head off Kohler before he can murder the Camerlengo. Right. Oh, and this is where they go back and forth and have an argument about whether or not Kohler can be Janus and about Cern's role in this whole thing. And they use Cern so much throughout these pages. (laughs) It's just disgusting to look at.
1: It's so... Jarring to look at the page and just see CERN, CERN, because it's in all caps.
0: CERN, 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 CERN. Two paragraphs, six usages, <laughs> and more on the next page.
1: Um, just so, just for foreshadowing reasons, um, they do describe the Illuminati diamond as a flawless diamond, forged of all the ancient elements.
0: Mm-hmm. It synthesizes them somehow.
1: Yeah. So just. And so Keep by by there. the
0: time they get to the end of this tunnel to find a locked door that's only openable from the side there not on um, Robert seems so fairly thoroughly convinced Vittoria that Kohler is probably Janus and CERN is probably as Gunther Glick made clear in his telecast as a conspiracy theory that CERN is like some kind of uber masonic lodge that has been the breeding ground for this Illuminati threat.
1: Right. The way that he describes the people at CERN, and the atheists in general, and all of that, um, it's really... So it feels like Dan has never met an atheist. And also he's never met... He one. Sure.
0: He was a college atheist.
1: Yeah, he's one of those, but (laughs) not like a real living, breathing atheist who doesn't exist on YouTube. And has never met a religious person either. He's never met an Arab or a Muslim or an Italian or a woman or a black person or someone from Italy. Um, I, oh, mean, I said Italian already. He
0: has lived in, like, New England private schools his whole life. He's never met. Except for a brief stint in L.A. where I guarantee you he avoided any non-white person like the fucking plague.
1: <laughs> I really feel like Dennis like, lived in his... house and to quote John Mulaney just ate saltines his whole life and like (laughs) never spoke to anyone and then wrote this book
0: (laughs) that sounds right chapter
1: 113 yes I don't have any notes for chapter 113
0: Uh, there's not much Chartrand is getting suspicious about this meeting that uh Kohler and the Camerlanger are having and then he sort of hears uh, some knocking on the wall from down the hallway Mm -hmm. and he goes into the forbidden private library of the Pope where he finds the doorway to the secret passageway, which is conveniently labeled with nice little block letters, Il Paseto. <laughs> um, which, just an architectural note for any aspiring designers of castles, fortresses, or like Hearst Castle style weird secret passageway fold houses. Do not mark your secret passageways <laughs> with a label. It's really When tiny. invaders come in and want to know where you've gone, if you mark your secret passageway, they'll know immediately where to go.
1: It says really tiny in tiny etched letters, that Il passetto. It's not like a label. It's like a graffiti, more like.
0: I don't know, dude. <laughs> um, Chartrand stared. the Pope's secret escape route. It's not secret if it's labeled.
1: Well, it's not like having a secret passageway in the Oval Office where like the previous Pope can tell the next Pope where the Passetto is, because the Popes are dead. They can't do that.
0: Does the Oval Office have a secret passage?
1: I don't want to answer that question. Okay. And then, so
0: start, uh, Chartron starts hearing Robert and Vittoria kind of through the door, but the way he hears them is the same way you hear people on, like, a bad phone line, <laughs> yeah. not when you can only hear them faintly through a doorway.
1: Because what you would hear is, I'm smelling like a killer! He's coming like me! the camera Langdon, it's <laughs> Robert Langdon and Vittoria Vettel stop the meeting you know like yeah, like that but the action is
0: Kohler lie camera Lango. Ert Langdon Vittoria v-. the door <laughs> um, <laughs> open. <laughs> so he's getting like going through a tunnel with cell phone audio and not like through a door muffled audio anyways um once he sort of figures out what their message is, <laughs> instead of rushing to the Camerlengo's office to save this man's life that he thinks is an imminent mortal danger, <laughs> he takes the time to find and unlock the four keyholes required for this door so he can open it and confirm that is indeed what they're saying to him.
1: Well, the keys were in the keyholes already.
0: Even so, it, it talks about how like, it takes some force to unlock them. They're massive locks and keys.
1: And they had never been he, used. He
0: grabbed the first key and turned. It was rusted and stiff, the mechanism, but still worked. Um, and like it's, it's a, it seems like a slow process the slab of iron creaked open he grabbed his light and shone it in the passage um, and so finally they come out and then Robert and Vittoria lose their urgency um, instead of just saying go save him where's Max Kohler Langdon demanded and uh, then finally they get their act together and go to save him
1: and but they're too late.
0: They're too late. From inside the Pope's office came a blood-curdling scream. It, it was, was the, the Camerlengo. And then we cut to inside the office where the confrontation is quick.
1: Things go fast. My only, my only note is, oh my god. It goes so fast. It's very exciting.
0: You want to describe what...
1: Yes, so they open the door, right? And everybody runs in, and uh, Kotler is near the fireplace, and he has a pistol aimed at the Camerlengo. And the Camerlingo is his cassock is torn open, <laughs> and his bare chest was seared black, and it had, like, a square on it. Is he it. showing his scars? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> and, um, so the Swiss guards uh, are sh- shooting at Kohler, and he's gurgling blood, and it's very gross, and his gun goes skittering across the floor. And um, the Camerlingo points at Ferrero Rocher and goes, Illuminatus! Illuminatus. He yells
0: it. Illuminatus uh,
1: <laughs> Oh, he yells a single word.
0: Yeah, and That's then long. Rocher starts running at him and calls him a bastard, a sanctimonious bass. <laughs> and then Chartron guns down Rocher.
1: Yeah, three bullets in the back. He's out.
0: R.I.P. to a real one.
1: Yeah. Um. And Kohler's still alive. And there's a lot of just like, ah, what's going on? Kohler tries to give uh, Langdon a camcorder, yeah, a tiny, I, I don't think, camcorder. Yeah, I don't think anyone
0: else really realizes that um, Kohler's alive. Robert Langdon winds up next to him, um, and Kohler tries to, like, with his dying breath, give Langdon this Sony camcorder and say, "Take it to the media." Yeah. And Langdon's like, "Man, the balls on this guy!"
1: Right. That's and a direct then, quote. That's... Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then uh, they keep using the c word. And <laughs> let's Langdon,
0: see. Langdon sees the brand. And um, is very stupid about it. The camera Langdon has it. been branded with. And it's this square, and like it's all these kind of shapes on it. And he's like, "What could this be? This is this isn't this isn't the same kind of orderly as we got in the other brands." Um, it's a bunch
1: of meaningless squiggles. It's just
0: meaningless squiggles. We're gonna find out what they are soon. But for right now, uh, we get a picture of it, and it's like, "Wow, look at these meaningless squiggles that in no way resemble letters in any way whatsoever." <laughs> wow, I guess you're right, Robert Langdon. You're a good symbologist. This doesn't. This is this is meaningless. Nothing. <laughs>
1: So stupid. It made me really mad, and it's really insulting that yeah. Dan Brown would show it to me and be like, "Look, it's meaningless squiggles." Yeah. Like, Dan.
0: <laughs> um, and then the camera lingo asks for a helicopter to get evacuated,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we cut to the Saint Peter's Square, and our helicopter pilot from earlier. I f- I, I realized why earlier. We talked about the screen. Um, like the windscreen thing on this helicopter that the pilot was laboriously undoing to put over it to protect oh, from the yeah, sun. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot and about that. And he's like considering getting it out here for some reason but like decides against it. Well,
1: because of all the, the lights from yeah. the media trucks. Yeah. And
0: like the people in the crowd are, they've they've got various anti-Christian signs the way you do when you're in Peace and Nature Square or some of them have Christian signs. So yeah. One is antimatter. Is the antichrist? There's
1: scientist equals satanist. And
0: then the anti-Christian was, where is your god now? Yeah. And so then... the, he- the
1: pilot's just not for it, and he like needs an Excedrin because he's got yeah. a headache and whatever. So he uh, doesn't take out the shield, and he tries to open the box to find like what meds, right? Aspirin. I think so. And he fails at that, and then his,
0: his helicopter's glove compartment.
1: Yeah. It's locked, though, and he's like, why? And then the two guards... Oh, they're, like, bringing the Camerolingo out? Or yeah, what's the whole, going the whole on? kind of yeah. party
0: of all the Swiss guards who aren't dead and Langdon and Vittoria are heading towards the exit of the Basilica.
1: And we've got the Camerolingo on a table.
0: Yeah, so they're carrying him, instead of on a stretcher, because they don't have any stretcher, they're just, like, carrying him on top of a table.
1: Yeah. It's 1139 in Chapter 116. Yep. And they leave the, like, dimly lit Vatican, and they find, like all these media trucks and like bright lights and all of that and it's a lot for them to handle and
0: glick and mockery come towards them and Lang was like here comes the vulture
1: right and then he saw he sees the camera goes limp body on a technicolor close-up and i did not like <laughs> the use of the word technicolor there no, um i had bad. a question about the live bbc feed yeah um so before they needed to take the tape back to their van and play it on a thing to to bbc so what's going on
0: Maybe she's using a different camera, and this one has its own satellite uplink. I don't know though.
1: Okay,
0: I don't know how any of this works.
1: All right, that's that's okay. Or
0: like maybe if they're close to their van that she can get like a really long ass cable and have it just plugged in or something. <laughs>
1: that's better be a long cable because they <laughs> do some running in this chapter.
0: <laughs> that, that they do. <laughs> um, and then the camera lingo's eyes just like burst open, and uh, he falls off the table. He like slides
1: he, off the table. It looks like he's
0: gonna fall off, then he lands on his feet. Um because uh
1: he's an angel.
0: Cuz yeah, cuz he's pretty cool. Um and he <laughs> the cassock starts falling off his shoulders and slipping down around his waist.
1: So exciting. Um,
0: revealing his scar.
1: There's not really much description of his chest or shoulders. Not really much. Which not I yet. was really hoping for. I think for. we got
0: some later. And <laughs> now we see the iron brand on his chest and Langdon seems like the biggest idiot. The the markings' awesome power hit Langdon like a train. Orientation. Langdon had forgotten the first rule of symbology. When is a square not a square? He had also forgotten that iron brands, just like rubber stamps, never looked like their imprints. They were in reverse. Langdon had been looking at the brand's negative.
1: This is so stupid.
0: He was looking at it sideways. It's actually a diamond, not a square. Right. And once you're in the mirror image, you can see that it is earth, air, fire, water, and it's all a big square ambigram.
1: I don't like this ambigram.
0: I think it's not great.
1: I don't like the R in water. And I also don't like the rest of it.
0: (laughs) I I like the air, fire bit in the middle.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Air, fire is good, but earth, water is And like,
0: how lucky is he that the middle... Airfire, as an ambigramical unit, is really good. Yeah. Like, the I's and the R's both match up. There's one F in the middle, which you can just do the kind of swooshy S-style F. Mm-hmm. And then A's and E's are already just, like, inverted versions of each other. So, like, really, he barely has to do any work. I mean, yeah, But he does a good job with it.
1: I just wanted to say, well done, John Langdon. You are relieved of your duties <laughs> at this point in the book. He really did the work necessary to make angels and demons, everything that it was. Cause without these ambigrams, <laughs> where would we be?
0: Uh, felt like a backhand.
1: <laughs> He's like the best part of this book. That's true. Um, yeah he's a big he's a big doofus who doesn't know anything about symbols he's so dumb. i want to know what the rest of the rules of symbology are
0: langdon's getting stressed out about the camera lingo being photographed topless
1: wait i'm sorry oh, i have yeah. a non sequitur yep i saw on instagram that they have reba brands for your steak so if you ever want to brand your steak with reba mcintyre's name you can do that
0: Wonderful. <laughs> I do. Actually, I would not mind having a set of these Illuminati brands for my steaks.
1: <laughs> for your steaks? You get the water steak. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> it's like, you know how you differentiate wine glasses to, like, charms in the bottom? Yeah, yeah, Like, you make sure you know who gets which steak by which brand they have on it.
1: Can I have the Illuminati one, the one that says Illuminati on it? Yeah,
0: that's going to, like, really cook your steak all the way through. Though. I'm
1: like a medium well kind of girl.
0: Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Caralengo starts screaming at the sky. Uh, he says, he hears you, God. Ti Dio. And then he starts saying, grazie, grazie, Dio. A, like, a lot. He says it a lot.
1: Yeah, so many times.
0: Um, and everyone thinks he's gone insane. But then, uh, he just turns tail and runs back into the basilica at 1142 p.m.
1: It says, the culmination, however, was something no one expected. for the final joyous exultation... The camera lingo turned and dashed back into St. Peter's Basilica. You know in books when you want to say, like show that something is unexpected so you yeah. tell the audience?
0: Yeah, you know how like, sometimes you like, want to talk about, oh, I, how will my readers know this is the climax of the book? The culmination of events. <laughs> the, all, the, the events built up and came to a real head where everything was going on at once. And, and
1: then there was a, an unexpected mm-hmm. instance.
0: And so the rest of this party with the camera lango starts like trying to follow follow him and tell him to stop and get back to the helicopter and get out of St. Peter's Square.
1: They're trying to use their flashlights, but they're almost dead because this is before LED lights. Mm -hmm. Um, So that sucks. Everything resources are so finite in this book. There's no air. There's no power. There's no light. No
0: phone. No 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 lights. No motor car. Not a single luxury. It's like Robinson Crusoe. It's as primitive as can be. I'm so um. mad at you. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> they're going in. Chinita and Gunther are following them to get these good shots and continue to boost their fame. And uh, the camera goes kind of ranting about scripture. Upon this rock I will build my church.
1: I just want to note that Chinita's, Chinita Makri's large frame lurched through the entryway, which is how uh, heavy set women move. God damn it. Uh, yeah, he's quoting Upon this rock I will build my church. Um, we get the word sepulchral, which is another $10 word. I word. I like he uses it twice in this no, section. Not as good. <laughs> I don't like that word. Yeah. Um, the, the camera makes it to that place that we talked about earlier where there's 99 lamps.
0: 99 oil lamps. Yeah. 990 lampen. <laughs> <laughs> um...
1: It's going to be stuck in my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, oh my God.
0: Um, the Camerlengo has, God's told him in his vision oh. that the antimatter canister is on top of St. Peter's tomb, yeah, which is underneath the basilica, where, as you may recall, when the Swiss guard was searching um, on top of it earlier... They pass, like, the stairway down to the catacombs where he is. And they're like, we don't need to go down there. It's not a white zone. Right. Oops.
1: Oops. I just want to set the scene. We've got this sexy Camerlingo. He's been wounded. His cassock is falling down around his waist. He's glowing. Diaphanous glowing outline. He's (laughs) glowing. He's pale. He's sparkling. He's sweaty. It's just... (laughs) It's a lot.
0: (laughs) It's, It's... Yeah.
1: And we did get, like... We've had, like, a lot of really flattering descriptions of the Camerolingo before, but this is by far the best one. Well, there's one later that comes, yeah. and it's pretty nice.
0: Um, so they go down to St. Peter's tomb because the Camerolingo's schooled Robert Langdon, where Robert's like, there is no literal rock on which this church was built, and then the Camerling was like, no, there is, St. Peter, Pietro, the stone, Petra, that's the rock, that's where the antimatter is, and Robert Langdon's like, oh, I guess, sure.
1: Yep. And then, so he's had this like vision from God that this is where this, the canister is going to be, which is like how, but okay. Um, we learn how later. Is that it?
0: Um, I mean, there's like two more chapters. Well, no, no, no. I meant for this chapter. He like, he
1: grabs it. He grabs the, they find the canister. Yeah. He grabs it and he runs back out of the Mm -hmm. basilica or out of the catacombs or whatever. Okay. 19. What happens here? She says something about...
0: I mean, they haven't actually grabbed it yet. There's just, they're still going down to the tomb. Oh, what? In chapter 119.
1: You're right. I'm stone, sorry. The,
0: the stone steps decline steeply into the earth. Victoria thinks she's going to die. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, Victoria has a lot of thoughts here about um, revelations and, like, having near-death experiences unlock, um, like, knowledge that you already know, basically. It's the thing that she said about, like, Remember the answer, you know. Yeah,
0: psychologists call it super sentience. Yeah. Christians call it answered prayer.
1: And uh, she said, so she remembers that the Buddha said, each of us is a god, each of us knows all, we need only open our minds to hear our own wisdom. And then she has, like, a moment of, like, clarity and, like, figures out what the camera lingo's doing. But she's always... Not all of it. <laughs> not all of it, but... She has a lot of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Is she a Buddhist? She's a Buddhist yogi? I think Uh, Dan Brown thinks that Buddhists do yoga.
0: That could be. If I'm being charitable, then Dan Brown is writing her as the kind of white person who just takes all eastern stuff as one block and just accepts it all and says oh yeah like I'm spiritual. And what means, on I purpose? Like, like on purpose
1: she's like insufferable in that way or he thinks like that's a way to be if I'm being it's, char- like, eastern if I'm minded.
0: Being either way. Okay. Um, but I mean more likely is just Dan Brown is not making the differentiation. Sure.
1: Dan Brown is that kind of person. Because <laughs> like
0: based on that thing about him saying the Moors and Berbers invading the Vatican and that earlier comment from like a long time ago about the Vatican longsword decapitating Muslims while defending crusaders mm-hmm. I think Dan Brown thinks the crusades were like Muslims invading Europe
1: yeah I think he does think that I mean he talks a lot about on the Hasasin's end Hasasin being like when those Christians came Yeah, I did. my people did the thing um, but yeah
0: Anyways, he gets um,
1: he gets pastier or more pasty with time. That this, this happened. Oh no Gunther, no no! Gunther, Gunther, Glick, Gunther Glick does. Yeah, sorry, Gunther Glick uh, is looking more pasty with every step.
0: Man, that sounds a lot like the exact word you used to describe Ed Sheeran last time.
1: <laughs> I think the word is pastier. Is my point. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he is pasty though. Um, Ed Sheeran. I mean, I don't want him to hate me if he ever hears this. <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't care how Sharon hates me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: the feeling's mutual, bud.
1: I don't think we made this clear, but Shanita is carrying the camera and shining her spotlight.
0: Yeah, she's the only source of light down there. Aside from the camera, Lango's grab one of the lamps from the wall to light his way. Yeah,
1: so they would all be dead now, if not for Shanita and her camera. Correct. Yeah. 11.51 p.m., nine minutes to midnight. Um, last chapter for this section
0: necropolis literally means city of the dead. Thanks, Rob.
1: Okay. Um so where are they down there yet? Yeah, they're down in the yeah, necropolis. Yeah, we're talking about snacks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> snack holes. Um Victoria is having an experience that looks like female intuition from whirling to the standing. <laughs> she's, she's got a wariness that looks like female intuition yeah dan brown loves women
0: i mean you can always tell when women are having female intuition <laughs>
1: it's like when uh raven from that's a raven has a vision
0: <laughs> in the ground in these things there's like some holes in the ground and for some reason lyndon leaps over them to clear them and so everyone else avoids them too and then she's like snake holes because glick's head how does glick know they're snake holes
1: Vittoria says snake holes.
0: Look out, Glick yelled from behind them. Snake holes. And then Vittoria says snake holes Well he's then, from England.
1: You know how there's snakes.
0: Uh, that's true. <laughs> and then Langdon says, Snack holes, actually. Trust me, you don't want to know. But it's not that bad. Like it's just there are things that apparently the early Christians believed that since there was gonna be a fleshly resurrection, you should throw food down to the dead people in your crypts. Yeah. So the holes and honey. they poured libations down. Which like it's not that gross.
1: I he doesn't explain that he doesn't because he says you don't want to know. Yeah. So he just says the word snack holes and then moves on. I was say it could be so much worse than that. It's so also, weird. I didn't look it up. That, I didn't either. I thought that, you would. It
0: cannot be the case that snack <laughs> comes from early Christian times I, etymologically.
1: I. Well, the word snack doesn't come from early Christian times.
0: (laughs) Then why are they snack holes? They're
1: not actually called snack holes. What are
0: they called? (laughs) Why doesn't he tell us?
1: I just... Can you imagine if you and I were walking? If we were walking and then there were some holes (laughs) in the ground and you went snake holes? And I said, snack holes, actually. And then nothing else. (laughs) no explanation no more words well, also, from me also uh,
0: y- you have the time to be that pedantic and weird while we're running down this thing <laughs> what avoiding snake hole nine minutes away from an explosion that's going to kill every living thing within like a half kilometer radius <laughs> and i'm like snack holes actually oh gosh. you don't want to know he... um <laughs>
1: um
0: uh, the camera lens. even though he's feeling weak, his legs are finding strength in his duty to God and man.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, everyone's watching the media screen from outside. Uh, watching Chanita's live feed from underground, because that's how good the live feed technology is in it's 1999. It's a long cord.
0: It's a long cable.
1: <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, so they get to St. Peter's tomb, and they found the antimatter ca- canister... And he's got it like a football, and he's just zooming away. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and Mortati's out in the square in the meanwhile, like, wondering, did I really just see the Camerolingo talk to God in the middle of the square? That's pretty wild.
1: hmm And then the Necropolis with the antimatter. Uh, so he's in the Necropolis with the antimatter, and he says there will be no more death tonight. But the Camerolingo was wrong. You know how you foreshadow things.
0: Okay, yes, he is, he is wrong. But he is wrong. Barely. But barely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and, uh... That's this section, so tell me, on a scale of A to F, how Dan Brown was this for you? So,
1: oh, how Dan Brown was it? Yeah. It was pretty Dan Brown. It was, I'm going to give it an A plus this time. No, I'm going to give it an A, an A. Yeah, I think I'm
0: an A minus, maybe. There were fewer kind of nonsensical switches from character to character, Mm -hmm. like, there's none of the cutting away from scene to scene to build suspense because there's really only one thread happening through most of this. Right. So I think it didn't have the kind of suspense building that your normal Dan Brown section has structurally.
1: Yeah. But apart from that it had um, bad writing, it had $10 sure words. It, did. it had very fast action sequences, it had sloppy foreshadowing, it had it
0: had mostly passable Arabic
1: yeah which was not very Dan Brown character <laughs> um yeah,
0: do you have a demon for this section? Well, I want to
1: say uh, my the enjoyability level oh yes first. I, for, uh,
0: for, I forgot that part that's Excuse okay. Me.
1: I'm gonna give it a b because it was pretty fun, but those sexual violence parts were tough,
0: yeah, we skipped over them mostly, but like that first half of what we we're going over today, like they really loom large in the mind. I just' didn't, we talked about it a lot the last two weeks, and I don't really want it, or to two two bi-weeks two episodes yeah and i didn't really want to go over it I, again. it gets
1: so bad and if you reach it i would just skip over it because it has no bearing on the plot whatsoever yeah. um so that made it hard and then all the awful ableist stuff in that chapter is also hard to it read it was
0: rough he... again like we skipped over a lot of it but it's yeah.
1: he stops doing that in the later books so i'm yeah. looking forward to the da vinci code i never thought i'd say that <laughs> well I'm, I'm not sure that he stops With the sexual violence and the ableism? I think he mostly
0: is equipped with the sexual violence, maybe. I don't remember the last symbol. He might not. But, like, I feel like Lee Teabing in the next one might have Uh, some, like, um, Maybe. Evil, handicapped person tropes and also, like, resentment of his disability thing happening. Yeah. Anyways, uh, enjoy. What was your grade for that?
1: Uh, Give it a B. Because it was, apart from that, it was a lot of fun. There were, gun- there were shootouts and spinning around in circles, and I liked it. I think I'm a C C+. Okay.
0: Um, the action scenes didn't work very well for me. I was not engrossed in them. They were I silly. I couldn't really tell what was going on. Like, I'm probably the silly action scene, but not when we're like, I don't really follow what's happening. Mm. And so that was pretty weak for me. Um, do you have a demon for this section?
1: My demon, well, it's always Dan Brown. Yes. But Gunther <laughs> Glick this time... Because yeah. I could say the Hassa scene, but like, I, you know the you know the Jessica Rabbit. I'm not bad. I was just I'm drawn just drawn that way. that way. Yeah. So that's what's going on with the Hassa scene. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, that's not the case with Gunther Glick because he is humanized <laughs> to an extent. But he like just straight up invents fake news, and that's horrible. It made me really upset.
0: I am going Chartrand with this one. Oh yeah. I think is char- that with your
1: knowledge of the next no section. Okay. No,
0: with my knowledge of the next section, I have a different demon. Okay. Um. I'm saying Chartrand because I think he is doing his job extremely badly due to kind of a lack of curiosity. Mm. So, like, he doesn't question enough and, like, try to verify what's going on with this whole Kohler situation going into the office. He then abandons his post to go let Robert and Vittoria in and is extremely slow about responding to their things. Like, once he finds out that, like, the camera line goes in danger... He should immediately sprint to that office instead of like taking his time to let these guys in. Like they'll be fine in there. There's air. Yeah. In that passageway, they'll be. They can wait a few minutes. Like. Right. Um. So I think, and then like he just, I think shoots twice without asking any questions. Oh, of what's going on? Yes. Yeah. Um, Although
1: in shooting for Rocher, he's not alone. Others no, in also. No. I don't think he's alone
0: with Kohler either. Yeah. But he might. I, I, he telling me she's first at Rocher. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. I think he's Char- hot-headed. I think Chartron's doing a pretty bad job in this section. I agree.
1: Yeah. Do you have an angel? Yeah, Chinita. Chinita's is mm-hmm. my angel she, for making all of this possible. Yeah. Like, they could not be chasing the camera and into the depths of anywhere without her. They would be. They would be. Oh, it's dark. You know. Like, yeah, Chinita's great. I like her. I I, she, I continue to like her every time I run into her. I like her more my angel is an
0: australian reporter
1: you like him i mean
0: he's he can't be good at his job like <laughs> he's posted up at the castel Sant'Angelo to report on what's happening at the vatican well, there was
1: no room in the square he's trying his best i, I mean like get your this
0: is a knife and fucking like <laughs> make make yourself some room man um <laughs>
1: this book is really good for journalists They're he's really kind to ch- journalists is that sarcasm no what
0: i feel like he hates them
1: i don't think so because
0: because this guy like he finds out there's a corpse in this pool and he's off like a fucking jet because he's like oh hell yes this gruesome shit's happening and like every time a journalist is like talking like oh god damn i wish that like the president were flayed alive on a thing somewhere so we could get some ratings and shit
1: the only people that he likes more than journalists are elderly cardinals like, that's, like, as far as groups that he, it's, like, Harvard professors, sexy Italians. What was that?
0: Every cop.
1: Every cop, <laughs> I guess.
0: He likes the cops, I think. He, he does likes like them the all. cops.
1: I don't like Dan Brown. I do I. <laughs> Dan um, Brown and I would not get along at all. No,
0: there's no way. <laughs> um, oh,
1: God. I bet mean, he, like, touched my shoulder upon meeting me. <sighs>
0: On that happy note, um, please rate and review us on on all the podcast apps. We're on most of them except maybe Spotify. That's
1: right. Please rate and review us. Please do it. Please. I checked and none of you did. I so. I,
0: I tried to from work and then I didn't. I was worried they would know I was the podcast host. And how you
1: know, would they know I, that? I don't know. Well, now they know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shit. Fuck. Uh, I'll cut it out.
1: Um. You can follow us on social. Well, before we do that, I want to say thank you to everyone who bought a shirt. The campaign thank is you. over. And I won't be selling them again because they're for OGs only. I bought one. Uh, I bought one. It'll be on its way. And I just want to say, like, we've got this really tiny project that Forrest and I love a lot. And thank you so much for giving us a reason to keep doing it. And I mean, I'm going to get emotional here in a second. But yeah, like that kind of feedback of like, we made something and then we made something related to that something and then you purchased it with your money. It feels really good. And your
0: hard-earned dollars and your hard-earned cents. Yeah,
1: I really I really appreciate it. Forrest really I does appreciate too. It. And I'm just um, bad at
0: showing gratitude. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm I have a cancer <laughs> ascendant, so I have a lot of feelings.
0: <laughs> Again, I made the exact same mistake when I was <laughs> you frightened me a lot. I'm <laughs> so
1: sorry. Dan Brown is a cancer too. Um, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, follow us at Dan Brown Code Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at, at Lena Jamili. That's L I N A J E M I L I. We're on Facebook too.
0: You can follow me at Wishbone Ulysses. It's spelled like it sounds.
1: <laughs> and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Have a good one. Bye bye.